Hi, this is Stuttering John Melendez from The Howard Stern Show. And for some really stupid reason, you're listening to the Insufferable Bastards. Great name for a podcast, morons. Thank you, John. Son of a bitch. All right, speaking of people you don't want to hang out with, I happened to stumble across this show on YouTube called Insufferable Bastards. Hmm. Hmm. I kind of like when he just goes, all right. All right. We got to do one from Johnny Amento. I know he loves this. Treasure to me. I love Judge oh, Dredd. God. I absolutely love Judge Dredd. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Insufferable Bastards. My name is Carlos Danger. And joining me after a two-week absence due to my inability to schedule stuff and the fact that he's been working 24 hours a day for the last 14 days or so is Mr. Brian Spears. Hello, Brian. Hello, hello. So I know we can't go like super deep into what you've been up to. I did mention on last week's episode that you know you were working on a movie. You're a big yeah, fancy work- dude. I'm a, I'm a big Hollywood movie. Uh, I don't I probably can't talk about it. Don't. But I will say I did work with an actor that I brought up. Uh, I was like, hey, evil that men do, man. You were amazing in that. So if you listen to our evil that men do episode, we do kind of point out one character in there that we thought was really cool in there. Um, and I might even say that I'm working with him in that. So I'm not going to say it again, but uh, he I'm was really have cool to go th- back and listen. And he said uh, Charles Bronson was really cool to him that he actually wishes uh, he was approached about doing a follow up movie with uh, Charlie. And, wait, wait, uh, you mean he, a sequel to the evil that men do? No, 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 no. But do another movie because he liked him so much that he was actually. But then he was intimidated by uh, Charles Bronson in, in, in like a good way. Like uh, he a, himself was a fan. And then when I said, hey, man, you, you know, you steal your scenes in that movie. You're definitely a great, creepy, bad guy, kind of. And uh, oh, he was, I know uh, what you're talking about now. Now I realize. He, OK, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, okay. he was a really nice guy and he had nothing. And he was at, like, hey, I'm sure a lot of people don't walk up to him and say the evil that men do. You were like really cool in that. He was like 19 and, in that movie. And, and the only thing I'll say is he did say like, hey, I wish I could remember the lines like that, like like I did back then. That's awesome. That's so awesome. I should, speaking of the evil that men do that Brian and I released an episode a couple of weeks back, I did get a Facebook message from Paul Talbot, who we had mentioned several times on that particular episode. Oh, is, uh, he's yeah, the author. Okay, okay. He's the yep, author the who author. wrote Bronson on the Loose, a bunch of, he's like, the, he's the definitive Charles Bronson expert. And of like those canon films, he's, you know, he's the, he's the dude. He's on a lot of commentaries and stuff like that. Anyway, he said he would be happy to come on anytime if we wanted to talk to oh, him about wow. the Bronson. And he thanked us for mentioning him a couple of times. And then he gave, I mean, I don't have it in front of me because I forgot about it because that was like three weeks ago now. But he he, uh, he gave us a bunch, he gave me a bunch of other evil that men do tidbits. I guess like the, because uh, it's confusing on Wikipedia. The director was, uh, uh, what's his name? Michael Winner? Is that one? I can't remember the guy's oh, name. Oh, really? The one that went eventually to do part four for uh, Death Wish or no, something like that? No, wait, or, I'm or... screwing this up. Whoever directed the movie. Remember, there was a, we, we were talking about how there was one director and then he left. Yes. He was saying, no, 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 the other guy never got started. It was always the dude 
who did it. Whoever uh, he named. Okay. His name is okay. Me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He was. He was a. He, he's done some serious. The guy films. who did the guns in Navarone. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah I apologize because yeah. I, I didn't. Think Again, we don't research. We don't always research, and we're always off the cuff. But. Well, and I, we should say uh, in this episode, this is uh, a bonus episode. Well, it's not a bonus episode. It's it's a bonus. I'll, I'll call it a bonus episode. I'm not going to edit this. We're going to release this as is. So Brian and I haven't talked beforehand because Brian has been really busy, uh, as have I, and. Uh, but Brian, we like, both don't have work schedules that always coincide with like, hey, we'll do this this week. You have a family life. I have somewhat of a family like we just have, you know, it, I, I it's hard for us to say like, hey, we, we record on a Tuesday or Thursday. No, we don't because both our jobs don't have like a hey, you're off at seven o'clock on Tuesday. No, I, yeah, that's know, when like no. the second second part of my job begins. Essentially, exactly. It's, it's exactly. Hours. So. So we do try to record weekends, and sometimes that's an issue. We try to record what you know. We never even record at the same time. And I did, you do, know what I, I mean? Did, like I did one episode. I figured, oh, well, I saw the Batman, so I was like, all right, let's get that out right away. And yes, I had, which I have so much to ask you about. So we actually. talk about. Well, I want to ask you first on this big movie you're doing with this guy, yes. the bad guy from uh, one of the, the. He wasn't the main bad guy, but he, the guy. I mean, he, he was a bad guy. I mean, he or a sleaze. How about this? He's a sleazy character, and he plays a sleazy character a lot in movies. Fifty two pickup. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So, but you've been working like around the clock, right? What's what's been your schedule? Like, what, let's let's talk about like last night because I think I I messaged you at like eight thirty in the morning, and I was like, hey, maybe we can do something Friday. Well, first afternoon. off, the movie. The, the the movie that I'm working on is uh it's a little bit of a drive. I always have to drive to work. This one is literally like sometimes the city I got to give myself two hours. New but York that city involves parking for all yeah. our international listeners. That that involves like parking. That in- involves like traffic. You know what I mean? Like city traffic. Um, the movie I'm working now is in a you know in a small town in Jersey, but it is. A hour and a half, no traffic. You know what I mean? No, just it's far away from me. So, yeah, I had to like leave early. Plus, when you had said, hey, maybe we could record something in the morning. I, it, I, I've been getting up at like three in the morning and like having a much different schedule. Three in the morning, you know, drive down, be somewhere between five and six, set up, do, you know, work all day, then drive home. Uh, or I'm in a shop. It's still just been a lot of hours, a lot of getting things done, you know, as much as we can. Um, And then just getting some personal stuff out of the way. But like yesterday when you said, hey, you want to try some? I probably could have said yes, but I also had to go to the bank. Well, how's how's the movie go? Nobody wants to hear about your oil changes and you go into the bank. I mean, again, I want to hear about how long, how how hard the work is and the challenges. Nobody wants to hear about mundane shit. But like, uh, but then, uh, like the movie I'm working on has been really cool. We've been, you know, we had a couple of cool characters that uh, designs to deceive Josh Torrey's building and, you know, creating and we're building, making all the molds, cleaning out the molds. I mean, I like to say I, I'm, I'm having a great day, but, you know, I spent uh, nine hours the other day literally cleaning clay out of mold. So it's not all Hollywood. Uh, so you haven't you, you, know, you haven't had to scream no comment to the paparazzi that are. No, out no, no. And like I'm that. not seeing anything like that. I, You know, when we're in there, we're inside in a building. I've been on it set a few times. A lot of the times I'm not even with our number one, who's the lead. I'm like, you know, with a whole set of other characters. The other day we were shooting B unit stuff, which means, you know, it's just you know, inserts or just, you know, stuff where the entire cast is not involved. Is this a horror like movie? one or two people. 
Yeah, yeah, I guess you would say it's a horror comedy. I only say that because if there's anybody listening who doesn't know, Brian is a special effects makeup artist. All right, we're back. I, uh, there, there's a windstorm going on in uh, Connecticut right now, and it blew over one of my patio furniture type things. So yes. I wanted to talk about, for a couple of minutes, I don't know if you read about this, but Sam Elliott was on the Mark Barron podcast, WTF. And uh, all right, so he made comments about, what's it called, Power of the Dog, the Jane Campion movie that premiered on Netflix a month or two ago that's getting nominated for every award there is. Probably, I yes. think it's, it's probably a front runner. It'll probably win, I would assume. And, uh, you know, I don't know. Uh, he made comments about, like, he was sort of taken aback by the uh, the homosexuality in the movie and the fact that, like, somebody from New Zealand made a Western. It was kind of a bizarre interview. But I, what I wanted to say, I listened to the interview. Like, okay. the day it came out. Because, you know, like, everybody loves Sam Elliott, right? I mean, who doesn't love Sam Elliott? He's everybody's hero. He's like an old school actor, you know? He has like, he's like a throwback to a John Wayne almost. So, but it was a weird interview though. The whole interview was kind of bizarre. And I don't know if that's, it's just, that's the way Sam Elliott is, but he seemed kind of a little aggressive and just thrown around F-bombs where it was like, what, what are you cursing? You know what I mean? I what are you cursing that, so much? I think that's kind of him. Or was he, because the other thing I was thinking, that's either him or did he have a couple of pops before, uh, before the interview? Did, was did, was he taking some edibles? I don't know. I just throw that out. And I, I only say that because listen to this clip. He talks about, this is fascinating, like movie history here. He was married or is married. I don't know if, I actually I have no idea. Catherine Ross from Butch Cassidy. And the yes, Sundance Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Yeah. Yeah. So he was an extra in Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. I had no idea. So Mark Marin starts asking him about this and just like this guy's response is just, it strikes me as kind of weird. So for people listening, I'm hopefully this will all be the same volume. You might have to turn down your headphones for a minute here. Here we go. It was Sharon. Not you, them. He's looking for Gary Cooper on a motorcycle. And I told him about you and I said, what? Yeah. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah. So he's talking about how he got, how he got mask, but see like the F bomb, right? What? No, I think that's him, man. He's like, uh, you know, hippie? he's he's a hippie, but he's like I weirdly think, angry. There's like he's, but he, and he also angry. might. I'm not gonna say have right wing, t- but he's a. Uh, I'm not gonna say he's conservative, but he's a, he's a grumpier old man, more man than you think. But he's still like kind of from the, the hippie ish. But like you know, I think this is him, man. All right, here we go. Here he is talking about how he met his wife. Really? <laughs> yeah. And I thought, oh, cool. So I leave and go to Hawaii to get married with Catherine. Now, Catherine Ross, like, she's amazing. And you you, and you were on the set of Butch and Sundance with her, but you never met her or you did? No, never met her. I was fucking, I was an extra, man. But did you see her? Yeah, sure. I watched her <laughs> shoot a couple of scenes, and I saw her every day going into the commissary and just thought, oh. Was that where it started? Well, no, it started probably, she did a movie with James Stewart fucking eons ago, and she had hair down to her butt and a yeah. fucking braid about that big. Yeah. Was fucking, he's talking like he's like hunting a deer. You know what I mean? Like the random, uff, you know what I'm saying? It's just. I mean, I think I think Sam Elliott's more the dude, you know, from the big Lebowski than he was the narrator. He's talking about how he met the woman he loved and just throwing F-bombs around. I, it just struck me as. The whole interview struck me as weird. 
Uh, and then, but then he gets to the part. Okay, so that I just wanted to play that for for context, because then towards the very end of the interview is when Marin just randomly brings up, basically, hey, you've, you're you're like the Western guy, and they have been talking about his new series there on Paramount, and you know, Sam Elliott was talking about how much he loves westerns. You know, Tombstone sucks. All right, people, Tombstone's a piece yeah, of shit. I agree. Stop. I wish people like. Also, he made a ton of uh, which I'll, I'll say this. He made a ton of Tom Selleck westerns. Oh, like quickly down under or the, yeah, like or the, I never saw like I never saw though like you know what I'm saying, like you know he is our he's our cowboy, but I mean to me he's the the best cowboy is in the big Lebowski, all right, so let's see this might be ten seconds of, oh, there's gonna be an ad starting, all right, so I'm gonna have to oh come on, now I might have to edit, <laughs> or I might just have to blab for five well, seconds I'm too keen on it either. yeah, you didn't like it i I like yeah, it. I don't know, I love her, yeah, so that's when he starts to talk about uh. Uh, hair of the dog power of the dog and now there's going to be an ad so i might have to talk for a couple of minutes so wait so when he says i love her google career certificate oh, there it is. Uh, he's talking about jane campion okay i believe or lady gaga maybe he's talking about lady gaga i don't know okay hold on i gotta play through this ad this is killing me you're killing me i got so I, nobody can hear you right now but i got 15 seconds to kill for this stupid ass ad and i'll turn your uh, mic back up great i love her did you did you see power of the dog here we go did you watch that movie? Yeah, you want to talk about that piece of shit? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> you didn't like that one? Oh, Fuck man. no. Okay, why? I'll tell you why. Okay. I read a fucking... I didn't like it anyway. Yeah. I looked at it when I was down there doing, in Texas during yeah. 1883. Yeah. And what really brought it home to me the other day where I, where I said, do you want to fucking talk about yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. There was a fucking full-page ad out in the L.A. Times... And there was a a review, not a review, but a, a blurb, a clip, yeah, yeah. And it talked about the uh, evisceration of the American myth. Huh. And I thought, what the fuck? What the fuck? What does that this mean? This is the guy that's done westerns forever for his whole life. The evisceration of the American West. I mean, they made it look like, what are, those, what are all those dancers, those guys in New I mean, okay. Evisceration of the American West. Is that not what the Wild Bunch is to some extent? Is yeah. that not what every every Robert Altman film, you know, what he made, McCabe and Mrs. Miller? Isn't that an evisceration of the, if, can you argue to a certain point, even though it goes back on it, unforgiven for a while, I don't know. This is it's such a weird thing for him to say, I thought. You there? Yeah, I'm I'm a, yeah, I'm I'm this, this is the first time you're hearing what, this. What, yeah, like I've read the articles, I haven't heard it. All right, so I'll, I'll go back to this. Hopefully don't get copyright struck. New York that wear bow ties and not much else. Uh-huh. Remember them from back in the day? Oh, the Chippendales? Yeah. Yeah. That's what all these fucking cowboys in that movie looked like. Uh-huh. They're all running around in shaps and no shirts. There's all these illusions right. of homosexuality yeah. Yeah. throughout the fucking movie. Yeah. I don't know if they're illusions. I think that's either. what the movie's about. Yeah. Well, <laughs> what like... the fuck does this one... Okay, so that's my favorite part where where Marion just goes, uh, yeah, I think that's what the movie's about. Yeah, that's the movie. <laughs> all right, well, let's... All right, here it goes. Woman from... Who, Jane Campion? Yeah. She's a brilliant director, yeah. by the way. I love her work. <laughs> right. Previous work. Sure. But what the fuck does this woman from down there come? Oh, New Zealand. New Zealand. Right. Know about 
the American West. And why in the fuck does she shoot this movie in New Zealand and call it Montana? It's good. This movie. Oh, come on. All right. Well, the there it was. It's got you, this movie. So that's that fucking rubbed me the wrong way, pal. <laughs> yeah. And the myth right. is that they were these, you know, macho men out there with the cattle. Yeah. I'd just come from fucking Texas where I was hanging out with families, not men, but yeah. families. Yeah. Big, long, extended, multiple generation families right. that made their living. And their lives were all about being cowboys. So, all right. So that was Sam Elliott. I don't want to play the entire interview, but it was such a hey, hey, hey some of his complaints, like huh? Some of his complaints are the way I feel about uh, Tombstone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tombstone's a cartoon western, man. Yeah, like Tombstone so. What he's talking on the on, on the western myth, like so. What he's you know besides like I guess he's you know I guess the the men weren't manly enough for him, but I, you know, whatever that is, that is. Uh, well, did you see the movie? Kind of, no. Okay, so Power the Dog, right? And this ties in because we mentioned it a couple of episodes. Yeah, back, yeah. And I think I might have even said because the other controversy going on is this guy writing for Cinema Blend said that uh, Turning Red, the new Disney Pixar movie. Uh, like isn't for his demographic and then he said all this insane stuff about because the movie has it features like an asian culture and it's a little yeah, girl from he, toronto he yeah, can't really yeah. uh, you know like, it was just like what dude did you did anybody read this before it's what but but i think i said about power of the dog i found it and i respect the movie the performances are great that guy, Jesse Plemons, I never saw yeah. him go, you know, Breaking Bad. He, that dude is like one of our Pacino uh, uh, De Niro types. You know, he's that good. Uh, and I guess I should have known from uh, Fargo, too. He's really good in Fargo. Yeah, he's with, really good in that. With yeah. what's her what, you know, what, the actress. Hey, he's what, in. Uh, he's who, in who's uh, the actress? Who's the actress in it with him? I can't remember her name right now. His wife is in the movie and she's from Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah Kirsten Dunst. Yeah, yeah she's Kirsten really Dunst. good in it. But the, to me, I thought the whole movie was about, I mean, I found it frustrating because I wanted, uh, I did want a traditional cowboy ending where there's a big gunfight and the bad guy gets killed. And, and I remember your review, everybody you dies. mentioning that, yeah. I might have even said that this movie isn't my demographic or I'm not the demographic only because it's an art film. At the end of the day, it's an art film. But, I mean, I thought the message of the movie was, and spoiler alert, if you haven't seen it, I guess for you, Brian, this is a spoiler alert. I'm not worried. It's about, you know, the Old West and these co these uh, cowboys are homosexuals, right? The two main characters are homosexuals, but they're closeted because saying so would be death, right? Yeah. Everything. So it, the whole movie is about how when you live like that, when you're not your true self and your whole life that you're presenting is essentially a lie, how that can warp things and get you into situations and, and the impact it has on, on, on others in your life and how it becomes this whole toxic mess. Uh, so, I mean, that's what the, I thought that's what the message of the movie was. And, you know, I don't have well, we ever can seen I just, like, I, I'm just, thing, I, I can't believe Sam Elliott just missed the, he missed well, the boat by this much. And also like any good Western, which is actually one of my major complaints about tombstone is a, a good Western is talking about other stuff. Now, I agree with you. I want that wild bunch ending. I want that. Like what I love about a Western is it is typically a slow build. 
But usually in that slow build, they're talking about other themes, not about a Western, you know, you know what I mean? Like they're being like, it's not know, a documentary. No, but they're also using it to tell a different story, you know, like, you know, like a, a, a hidden message in there. Like you can get away with it in a Western because it's a simpler time. So I get like, what is he mad that like think the times they are changing and I'm telling a different. Well, and the other you know, thing he, he's kind of talking about, like, oh, it shouldn't be this foreigner making a, a movie about the American West. Come on. Did you see the proposition? Probably one of the best Westerns in the last 40 years. It's not American. Also, like that, that I, that's the other thing I, you know, besides his other comments, but it's it's movie making. You make movies where you make movies like she if that's where she lives and she makes that movie, she's making it about the old West. That can be shot anywhere. I mean, you know, what the hell's the sense of like on a back lot? Like, you know what I mean? Half the time you're doing it on a stage. That's <laughs> not in the old West. Tube zone looks like a cartoon. I, I don't know. Maybe he was just, I don't know. Maybe, I don't know. He had some edibles that hit him the wrong way. He was a little particularly grumpy that day. It's uh, it was kind of a bummer to hear like one of your movie heroes, you know, just kind of, kind of be that way. But that was that. So I guess the last thing I wanted to talk about, Brian, and we had been talking about doing this for weeks now. Both shows are now sort of long uh, over in terms of their latest seasons. The Peacemaker starring John Cena versus Righteous Gemstones. Danny yeah. McBride, Jody Hill, Walter Goggins. Uh Righteous Gemstones just finished its second season. Peacemaker finished its first. They're both part of the HBO Max universe or multiverse, whatever that is. And I guess I just wanted to open by saying, I mean, I like The Peacemaker. It's entertaining. Uh, It has, I I have been a little bummed out. There's, there's been so much attention to The Peacemaker or there was like, we all, we all just, we all just bit into that marketing that it has the greatest opening of that. It's ever been conceived. I'll say right now, I just, there's a show on, on Apple TV called Severance and Ben Affleck, not Ben Affleck, Ben Stiller directed the first couple episodes and I guess as an executive producer, that has an opening in the second half of the season that is more interesting and more compelling than The Peacemaker. So if we're going to say, like, even this year, The Peacemaker didn't have the best opening to a show that's streaming or any show on television. But they're, they're very similar. And I think, and this isn't an exact comparison, but when I think of Righteous Gemstones and The Peacemaker, I think of The Simpsons and Family Guy. And I think, and I've said this before, The Peacemaker's Family Guy, Righteous Gemstone is The Simpsons like in their prime where the peacemaker is sort of juvenile humor. There's really no point to the whole show. It's just a good time to hang out for 30 minutes a week. Righteous gemstones is trying to do something more. It seems. And I think it's more effective when it gets into its juvenile humor than even the peacemaker is, because I think the humor, the editing, the way humor is conveyed in righteous gemstones. It feels more real. and funnier and 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 more well done than the peacemaker both good but i just wish more people would give righteous gemstones season two a chance and i'll say there's an episode episode seven because i've been playing it on a, on a loop in my house is that where, the last episode no it's i believe it's the second or third to last it's where john goodman has been shot and he's in the hospital and they all go up there to check him out and then they come out 
And all the children, all the kids, his adult children, Danny McBride and the others, all throw up one by one. And it's the yeah. <laughs> it's the cold open, and it's just them vomiting. And I laughed my ass off at that. Also, just, is ahead, the sorry. ending of the eighth episode? I mean, that's the Godfather. I, I mean, yeah, the only thing, the only downside, I thought the last episode, the way they just tied it up, it, it felt to me like they didn't know if they're going to have a season three. Sure. Like I thought but the I mean, Gemstones was in a zone all season, and the last episode is kind of like, oh, okay, they have to have an ending. It, I was but that montage, it. but that montage was, they just ripped it. I mean, that's the Godfather. It's the same, yeah. yeah. Which I thought <laughs> that actually mafia. made me a little happier. Um, but I, I think we can end the episode because I agree everything that you're saying, like almost spot on. The, uh, I, again, didn't hate peacemaker but i always found it maybe more juvenile whereas i was like wow they're all they're so close like i it's they're both kind of dark comedies they're very similar i think they're yeah they they complement each other something there is something about rice gemstones that has me more belly laughing Mm. like i feel the same way about veep and curb and maybe it's just it's the writing like james gunn i'm not gonna say is bad i'm just gonna say he does fart and dick humor it's a, um, it's very surface, a little surface, yeah, which is fine, which can serve a purpose. But and then he he's very much then make sure he says his woke joke. Yes, and I'm Facebook, just like no good Facebook, no yeah. good. Okay, okay, and it's just in your face, right? Whereas righteous gemstones sometimes is preaching at you, but you don't know it until like you know, like you're you're in the story and you're I, in it. And if we said we've said many times before on this show. Jody Hill and Danny McBride have this weird way of blending. It makes you uncomfortable. It's a comedy well, that's that still they're the, they're the masters of just making you uncomfortable. And the Righteous Gemstones is perfect example of why Danny McBride is involved in those Halloween movies because there's always one episode in uh in, in in the Gemstones or I think I could you could argue in any one of his shows. That is always a scary episode, and they're scary. Right, like they're his, pretty. They're like pretty just Jameson's art is dark, but like almost dark and like, hey, I, you know, you're laughing almost uncomfortably. Where I never, like, listen, that I got the joke of John Cena in his underwear, right? But like, it's it just always seemed to. He's cute. He's like, cute. And yeah, the, like Stu, the, Stu World Productions on Twitter said that John Cena is adorable. Yes, and, and the show is adorable. But if you want something a little deeper than just being like Care Bears, I would say watch The Righteous Gemstones. Yeah. And uh, also, and this is why I wish one of these comic book guys would come on our show because I, I want to like The Peacemaker and I do like it, but I don't know why what like. I don't like get why it's so celebrated. Yeah, you know what I, I mean. Yeah, like, it, I guess because it, it's IP, right? It's established intellectual I guess, property. You know, because it's it's okay superhero stuff. You know what I mean? Like to me, it's only okay. Right, and as we've it's said good. before, like I thought the Suicide Squad introduced the Peacemaker in an interesting way, where you have an alt right supposed supposedly an alt right yeah. superhero, and I thought, oh, that's yeah. But then he's just, he's not that in the Peacemaker. No, he's lovable no, no. and he's great and he's just, you know, I, I don't know. It, it, it's like, it kind of like 
it kind of smells of daytime game shows. You know, it strikes me as like Wheel of Fortune and Price of Price is Right are like good in their own way. I, I don't know. I but remember safe. it was very safe with the righteous gemstones, especially yeah, it's with not. with with like Eric Roberts, who's great. It was so good. Somebody on on Twitter uh, just tweeted today that how great it was to see Eric Roberts in the Righteous Gemstones because he hasn't been used. I mean, he does so many and, movies. He is and so he good. Acts. He's not used enough, but he's so good. And John Goodman, man. John, John Good Goodman. What a holy cow is that guy like a tour de force now. What like, a brilliant decision Danny uh, McBride made to pull back on the family and make this season more about John Goodman's character because that worked a hundred percent. Oh, and the the scene like you felt him and uh, Eric Roberts were old friends. Yes, like they, they like this whole and I and 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 uh, the sister, the sister's husband, he is <laughs> a genius. Yeah, he's awesome. That's this. like he. He probably steals this entire season. I, there's that's what I, I that that throw up scene. I keep I keep trying to play it for my <laughs> wife and my son, and they keep insisting they they hate it. They hate it. But the funniest part of that throw up scene is where BJ's wife. Everybody's throwing up. BJ's okay. BJ BJ's okay. And then finally BJ throws up, and his wife goes BJ. <laughs> like they're yeah. all like they're pissed at him because he's finally throwing up. Well, they all stopped. I, I that's a, I thought the season two was uh, extraordinary. And I almost think like maybe we don't need a season three. Like just you can you can end it on that. That was so good. And the other thing I loved about it, Walter Goggins, his whole I did not expect to feel sorry for and be engrossed by the uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, little Bobby or little Billy, whatever the hell his name is. Yeah. And then they bring in who was I couldn't. They got Macaulay Culkin. He's on a whole other like level now. I, now, the I only sad like, thing is with Righteous Gemstones, the music was better than Peacemaker. It, it was yeah. used more effectively. It, it's used for the story and to convey multiple feelings, not just like, hey, we're hanging out and things are cool. And the action in some scenes is actually better in Righteous Gemstones as it was, it was in Peacemaker. But I inter interrupted you. I saw I'm I saw. Well, no, I mean, I, I think, you know, we're we're in the same spectrum here. I just like Gemstones to me. I don't know, like it, it, it almost could play with succession. Like it almost would be a great double bill because, <laughs> you know, it and the, they don't play the characters are obnoxious, goofy, bad, but they're played like real, if that makes sense. Yeah. I, I mean, I mean, they're over the top. Everything is over the top. I mean, they're they're both Peacemaker and that are both like way over the top comedies. But I guess I, I, I it's hard to say I relate more to the right the gemstones yeah like i just get i i really like believe that story where i i just maybe james, like again james gunn i like his movies i i've i've enjoyed a lot of his stuff yeah he's great uh but i don't know in that half hour format it just and i think maybe family guy is a perfect example like it's just hit you over the head it hits you over the head and again you would think if I like comedy and they're both considered comedies, well, gemstones is more my comedy. Like I can, yeah, I don't know and, how else to explain that. And that's the thing. Yeah. I guess at the end of the day, it is subjective. It all, it all depends on what you think is funny, but I, yeah, we have the same a hundred percent, the same views here. The only other thing I'll say about the peacemaker and you know, the peacemaker ended before gemstones did this season. I thought the peacemaker built to just this, you know, this stupid monster in a barn, which I just did not 
I mean, it was it was fine. It was it was fine. That was the it, it, there was no epicness to it. It was. Just I was like, going to say it wasn't as epic oh, as okay. as they make it sound. Yeah, right. there's yeah. the big there's the stupid monster in the barn. But at the same time, I, I I also we might differ on this, but I I thought the righteous gemstones had the same feeling where they're just like. Oh, oh but, I won't but, say but, that. But they, Righteous Gemstones had Eric Andre. Like they had Eric well, Andre, that's what Eric yeah, Roberts, I, John Goodman. It was the performances were just were just so good. I never fell in love with any of the characters in Peacemaker. Right. Guess what? Season two, I'll watch again. Right. Yeah, and it could you get better because you know what? I th- I think season two of Righteous Gemstones is better than season one. Yeah. Uh, oh, I mean, and, and Eric the, Andre yeah, the Peacemaker could be could be great. It definitely has the potential. And also. I don't need it to be great because I'm just going to watch the boys and I know that's going to be better than peacemaker anything they do. But, but, but real quick before we go, are you watching the uh, Lakers show? I did watch it. was, I mean, it's one episode, right? Uh, one episode. Yeah, I did. I did watch it. Oh, I, I, okay. I liked it. I was getting a little tired of the constant look at the camera to explain. Uh, that was, yeah. I had yeah. Cough. Only they got a little too Steven Soderbergh, but I mean that's a small. It's great though. I mean it's great. The fact that they got okay, biopics are the worst genre of movies. There's never been a good biopic. They're always disasters, right? Nine times that. I mean, there's probably Nine, one I'm not yeah. thinking of, but most of them are, are just you know they're just forgettable and terrible. They never this. I mean the guy. The fact that they got a guy who's playing Magic Johnson and you feel. That that's Magic Johnson, and he's he, it's a character in this in this story, is incredible to me. Yes, and I think uh, you know John C. Riley. Like I, I guess this is where uh, Adam McKay and uh, Will Ferrell had uh, their big Will Ferrell, their big they, fight. They separated. I'm going to say this, you know, and I know those guys work great together, but I mean John C. Riley. Like it is really nice to see him in this. Like this is. You know, he grew up in Boogie Nights. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's it's like this is a Reith Roth, what a Roth, Roth, Rothschild's uh, dad. You know what I mean? And he's, I mean, he, uh, John C. Riley's like, one of our great character actors. Like, uh, he, you're cutting yes, out a and little. And this is a, this is a perfect character for, yes, it's it's a perfect character role. Oh, it's so, I'm, I'm very intrigued and looking forward to this. HBO yeah, is coming around for me again. It's definitely, yeah, I was just going to say like, okay, here's the return of, prestige television you know righteous gemstones and now uh the whatever the heck it's called also did you know i don't know if you know this written by uh, jeff perlman the book was jeff perlman mayapak high school grew up oh, wow. right over mayapak yeah went on he was I did sports illustrated that. yeah yeah he's a big uh, he's kind of annoying on twitter but uh yeah from uh, from your neck of the woods. Oh wow, that's funny. That's Might have funny. even like interned at the North County News at one point. Either that or uh, the Patent Trader, the weekly where oh, I. Oh wow! Oh wow! And is he? Oh, all right. I have to look that up. I'm now. I'm even more intrigued. Yeah, he wrote. Uh, he wrote for Sports Illustrated for years, and then he wrote uh, the book about the '86 Mets, which is kind of the. Uh, oh okay. All right. Yeah. You know what? I I think I remember that. I think I remember reading that in the paper. Like, hey, you know, local, le- you know, local writer is, you know. Yeah, he's become a big deal, and I guess he even, I guess like he he, uh, you know, he's this was his story. He sold it. The worked on it. I guess he even has a cameo. Him and his uh, his children. Oh wow! So, wow. Yeah, Jeff Perlman, man. Well, I'm definitely looking forward. To it. it looks like a really good show. All right. Yeah, and the only thing I'll recommend is. Uh, John Turturro is in that show Severance on Apple TV. 
which I mean, nobody watches Apple TV because you got to, you know, yeah. you got to subscribe to it. It's whatever. But and it's their shows are hit or miss, but they've got this one on now called Severance. John Turturro's in it. Christopher, you get to see John Turturro and Christopher Walken play a bunch oh, of wow. scenes together. And it's it's worth it just for that. It's a great show. And John Turturro is is great. So I highly recommend it. I won't even go into what the show is about. It's kind of a Twilight Zone type show. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, and, but, and anyone should look it up to see what it's about. It yeah. has a really intriguing plot. Very oh, entertaining. Real quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My final thing. Please, everyone, get the Maniac Cop oh, right. thing. Please. Like, it say, has Brian, a commentary. Say it again because I, I just stepped on you. I apologize. Maniac Cop. Uh, I got the. I did some research. Maniac Cop. Badge of Silence. Maniac Cop 3. It's a new uh, 4K edition, or the only thing worthwhile is uh, there's a new commentary by Alan. It was directed by Alan Smithy. So they got Alan Smithy to do the commentary. Alan Smithy was Bill Lustig and Joel Swayzon. I'm not exact. I don't know. Don't, you know, but Joel, he's a producer that anybody that knows like B horror movies, he's done a bunch. I think he did a bunch of those Hellraiser sequels. He might've even been involved in some of those project green light horror movies. Um, but anyways, I guess Bill Lustig was the director and left in the middle of mo- the movie or, or finished the movie, what he thought was finished. And it was 45 minutes of a movie. So then, Joel came in and directed it and they, they Joel was the producer and Bill Lustig was, you know, director, but, you know, wasn't feeling this project. Basically, he had lost uh, true romance, true romance uh, like Tarant. He was supposed to direct that. Who was and then it, uh, Bill Lustig was going to direct originally direct true romance. Hold on. I've tr- never heard. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So that was a big and he had just found out. No, they're going to sell it to a bigger thing. You know, because he had known Tarantino a little bit, you know, in that whole video store day, because he he's responsible for Anchor Bay and Blue Underground. He's a a, a big uh, DVD, you know, extras guy. Um, but anyways, and I've never been a fan of these movies of any of the maniac cops. But, dude, it is awesome to hear two guys that did not get along and how to make the movie. And they actually talk about what I think is genius about this commentary is you know, he'll say, oh, no, this is a piece of crap. Oh, this is a, you know, this shot. Oh, I didn't like this actor. It is all out there. Oh, wait, you're Every, cutting the out. You're laundry. cutting out. You it said it's good. all out there. It's all like dirty laundry is out there. They air their dirty laundry about making this movie. Whereas I think Joel, as a producer, kind of director at the, you know, at a necessity, um, is a little more nicer about making the movie because he's probably got a, you know, what's, you know, whereas Lustig is like, no, this was the biggest piece of crap. I didn't want to do this movie. They made me hire Robert Davey again. I didn't want, you know, he's not right for this movie. Oh, it was, it's a great, great, great commentary. And it just, you know, in this whole digital world we live in, I cannot recommend I'm going to have a 4K DVD. And I got it just because I needed to hear this commentary. So, so is this I, the, is this, you think this is the best commentary of all time? Not of all time, but it, it, it's I love and I think we agree on this. I like I'll watch all those bad movies, but I'm more interested on how they made those bad movies. I got to check. So I highly recommend I remember it. like running into uh, Bill Lustig at, at a horror convention. And hey, he man, just- we had a room. We had a room across from Robert Czar, the star of Maniac Cop. <laughs> and he, that guy was a maniac. 
Those were the days, and I, I'm thinking uh, Monster Mania, as we record this in, in Cherry Hill, New Jersey, is underway, and yeah. my Facebook feed is full of Monster Mania fans, like the Monster Mania fan page, and yeah, it, it makes me really nostalgic to, uh, you know, because everyone's like, I mean, of course, it's like, they're all bitching about stuff that we didn't care about. They're like, oh my God, Michael C. Hall, stop signing at six o'clock, four o'clock, blah, blah. You know what I mean? They're all just like, yeah, they're all like freaking out. You know, and it sounded like a lot of people bought photo op tickets, but not tickets to get in. Yeah, so yeah, that was yeah they didn't thing. know what yeah. they were doing. Yeah, and it's raining. And like, what are they, where are we going to stand if it rains? Well, what do you want, Monster Mania to change the weather? What are, you're going to get wet, dude? I mean, like, bring an umbrella. Uh, but yeah, I kind of, I, I, I would like to go to a horror convention one more time. I you know, know, one of those camp out ones where it's a big one. Yes. But yeah, even if we had tickets, even if I had reserved the rooms a year ago, we wouldn't have been able to go because of your work schedule. And yeah. uh, I mean, I ended up what's I ended up working Friday to seven or eight o'clock too. So, but anyway, yeah, it's just but I just Bill Lustig and that whole you know like New York uh, independent world makes me think of the horror conventions we would go to in the tri-state area, yeah, uh, which we really and Bill of, Lustig would walk around the floor in every one of those New York City ones we were at, which was cool. Yeah, like, he was like definitely he the coolest. Yeah, yeah. All right, so maybe I'm just gonna post this as is, and people can deal with it. That's why you got fast forward buttons, people, if you get annoyed. But uh, for uh, Mr. Brian Spears there, I am Carlos Danger, and this was Insufferable Bastards, and we will see you next week. Live! See Bart.